0: i keep up with my scriptures. Luke chapter 10 verse 18. And I, I'm going to go over a story there in Luke. And I'll touch a little bit about Matthew. But I'm, I'm going to try to share something that I think is very crucial to our well-being. And as believers and for others who we want to, to introduce to our Lord. Luke, ten eighteen, I'm reading on the NIV um, translation. He replied, "I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven." rejoice that you're saved Father we thank you we are so grateful for our salvation that you saw fit despite our weakness, to come into our lives into our community into our situation and reveal yourself to us when others perhaps didn't see you I saw I opened my heart to you. Others here today saw you and open up their hearts to you. And we're grateful that we are saved. Holy Spirit, speak to the hearts of those who are separating unto you. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I look at this. And you see Jesus was was, um, trying to teach the people that were following him, something. And I'm reading it. What came to my mind is that every level of society, wherever you're at, there's a pecking order. You ever heard that term, pecking order? Very interesting. So um, that it came like a pecking order. What does that got to do with the scripture? So I, I go and begin to research. And pecking order really came and derived from an animal behavior. It's a dominant Dominance hierarchy, especially seen in domestic poultry, the pecking order is maintained by one bird pecking another of a lower status. So you can see if you look at if anybody's been around chickens, Rocky Four, Greeley out in the out there, you know what I'm talking about. Da, 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 right, the little chickens they be pecking each other, and when you look at the pecking, you know who's in charge. Right, and you know who's the bottom of the of, of the chicken order, right? Now, in you know, an organization or a social group, you can even say a church, Jesus ministry. There is a sequence of hierarchy or authority that begins to establish. Now, not because that's what Jesus wants, but that's because we're human. Human. See, many nations, in fact, function historically under a similar racial supremacy arrangement. These nations feel that pecking orders are a clear and efficient and effective way to sort out people's roles. The classes, there they stay separated, right? And the rules strongly discourage or forbid even marriage uh, of one class with another class of lines, right? If you look at Luke chapter 15, you have to turn there. In Luke 15, Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven. And he says in a series of three stories, and if you look at these stories, it's a series of three unclean people. In other words, less than perfect people or somebody you you may not want to be like. And he describes them in Luke chapter 15 as unclean. the first one talked about a shepherd who had a lost sheep. You know, shepherds shouldn't lose their sheep. And he talked about that, and, and he described it, and, and I'm trying to read that. I go, okay, interesting. Well, I know the shepherd, the lost sheep, you go find the other sheep. Right? Then he talked about the second one was uh, the, woman, the woman who had lost the coin, the silver coin, and that she searched for, searched, for, searched for it. And then the third, right in line with that, and this is how he ties them all together, was there was a patriarch who had a lost son. That is the most familiar story we know. That's the story of the prodigal son. So you see these series of uncleans or, or or we could say these were the last in the pecking order. Right? Now these these examples, again, the bottom of the we call, we call, or rather, let's say it like this, we are called us, the church. We're talking about the unclean, the pecking order. The church is called to find the lost sheep. The bottom, the unclean. The church, right? We must search. For the lost coin. And the third. uh, We. We must rejoice. When the lost son returns. So it's ironic. You know the human nature. Is be the top. But the church is instructed. To find the bottom. Uh, Listen to this. Us humans. Like those small brain chickens. Have this need. To know our place. In a picking order. Whether you agree with it or not, and most don't agree with it, they don't like the picking orders. Nonetheless, because we're human, we find our place. That's that place where nobody bothers you. That's that place where you know everything is cool and, and you found your groove and you know you like this groove. Why? Because you're okay, and be, the reason you're okay because the other person next to you is in their groove. And as long as you stay over there, we're cool. You stay over there. See, whether you like it or not, just like those little tiny chickens. We fall into a pecking order. Amazing things, us humans, aren't we? Now, there are those, and most I can say, want to peck their way to the top. Uncaring of the damage done to others in the process. Those happen in probably the job that you're working at, correct? They probably happen at school when you're in high school. And unfortunately, it could happen in the church if we're not careful. Because I always tell people and I say this quite often, you know, ministry is very easy if it wasn't for those darn people. Hmm? So, King, the kingdom of heaven teaching that which Jesus offered us asked us to stand firm against this tendency. So you want to be at the top, you want to be supreme? Because that's that's how we are, right? However we got to face this whole ideal that the last shall be first. That, that, that's possibly the toughest of all Jesus' teaching. The last shall be first. Nothing in society supports that. What do you mean the last shall be first? I mean, listen, people still fight about who's going to sit in the front seat of the car. The last doesn't always want to be first, right? Well, the first, But the first always wants to be first. So we fight to be first, first in line, first in prestige, first in power, first in nations, right? See, and at each time, and I say each time that we must be first, we start seeing those who are slightly less than us, right? Slightly less than us. This is a little different. Without admitting it, sometimes we're slightly trying to dehumanize them. They're less than us. They're not quite as good as us. Now, we may not verbalize it for our actions. You know, I know people gonna cut that brother loose. He ain't no good. Ooh, wow. He ain't no good, but you is. See, then all of a sudden, what do we do? We begin to create classes, and the pecking order has begun. So, let me say that again. Each time we must be first, we start seeing others or those who are slightly less than us or even more slightly less than human, right? That sheep, we'll say in the story of Jesus, that sheep deserved to get lost. That's what we're saying, right? Or that woman who lost her coin, good for her. She should have kept her purse next to her. that rebellious son, he, good for him. He needs to go and, and suffer the consequences of his rebellion. And so what we have done, we've just just dehumanized them as if they're not important. And Jesus says, what, let me tell you about a story about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and his prodigal. God rejoiced when they found it, when he came home. Right? Just, let me say it like this. The moment anyone dehumanizes the other, we have crossed over to evil. And I th- as I thought, thought about that, I, I looked and I go, and I, here's here it is. People long for supremacy. Can I say that? It is unlikely that the messengers of Christ came back all at once. What message I'm talking about? Jesus had sent down 72 people. And if you take a crowd of 72, no one is alike, right? And so the only uh, protection he could have for the one is to send two, right? So that they, they probably keep an eye on each other. So he sends out 72, right, by pairs. He didn't send them alone. He sent them out pairs. So and they didn't come back. As a matter of fact, Luke chapter 10 says, And after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him, ahead of Jesus, at every town. Where he was about to go. They had gone to every town, every place that Jesus wanted to visit, and they probably came back in small groups. They may have even come back two by two, right? They didn't go together. Right? And the seventy-two returned and with joy and said this, even the demons submit to us in your name. Now you look at that, and go, Oh, that's heavy. That's what they said. Amazingly, this to me when I read that—that's amazing. Not one of the two, not one couple had a different report. He said the Bible says all seventy-two said the demons submit to us. Wow, we bad, we bad. Ghostbusters, we we're the original Ghostbusters. <laughs> Who are you gonna call? Ghostbusters. They were like, wow, right? All seventy-two said the same thing. The thing that impressed them most was how supremely they fared in the war against evil spiritual powers. Now look, these people were not just anybody. These people were handpicked by Jesus. And this kind of make me feel better. Even these messengers demonstrated that they were not free from selfish passions of being a human. See, people love statistics about reaching people. Right? Look what I did, or or, or they they love the the glamour, right? But I'm going to let you in on something. It is better to speak of human, or rather speak of service to humans, than conquest over devils. They all came back. They didn't even say Jesus. We went out there, and people got saved. People came to you. They were healed. You should have seen it, Jesus. This mother and this daughter were estranged, and they came together because Jesus, the Holy Ghost came and and it healed the relationship. It healed the marriage. A little boy. Was, no, they didn't say anything about the human. They said the demons submitted to us. I have the power. I'm Superman. They didn't even think about the people. Huh? That's amazing to me. These hand-picked people, all they cared about is, is what they could do and their power. Our tendency, and I say, notice I say our. Our tendency towards the pecking order, whether we know it or not, boast always, will always, always, always boast of The spectacular. Well that type of top talk appeals to most. Beware of people who boast of their fights with Satan and the conquest over them. No, no. Be more happy. But one comes to know the Lord. And all the demons in hell that you cast out. In Luke 10, 1 and 2, let's read that. After this, the Lord appointed seven to others and then sent them out two by two ahead of the town and every place where he was to go, he told them this. Remember, and he even hipped them before they left. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus even hipped them, said, look, there's people out there. I'm sending you out too much. There's people out there. Nonetheless, the report came back, not, not of the harvest, but of the enemy. So our mission is not to fight the devil. We recognize, like I said earlier, he's a punk. But that my job is not to fight him. My job is to win you. My job is to teach you. Right? All that other stuff is between the Lord and the devil. Your job is to focus on your relationship with Jesus. Learn about him. Walk with him. Pray. The simple things. See, we, simply we are to carry out the Lord's will. Jesus had not given them any specific command to engage in, in a fight against spiritual evil forces. What sounds better or if you had to hear a story. Now, if I came to you one day and I was going to tell you a story. Which story would most people choose? I had two newcomers come over for lunch. Or... or I laid hand on this guy and I cast the demon out. Which one would you want to hear? Most, come on, let's be honest. Most say, What would that demon do? I mean, come on, man. You guys are all stuck on that movie Twilight. You are you like watching vampires running around. So the devil trains you, he's discipling you. The supernatural, the spiritual, the demonic is so intriguing, it's appealing on TV. Oh, but let's get some wholesome thing and let's watch something about how God is able to touch uh, and restore marriage. Oh, that's a boring program. What what program is that? I want some blood. These disciples Jesus sent out and had a meeting and they talked about demons. Jesus told them this. There was a harvest out there in 10-2. See, when I read that, I missed that part about battling demons. Let's keep reading the story go. Verse 3, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a man man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, your peace will return to you. Verse 7, stay in the house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Stay there. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is set before you. Heal sick, who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near See, that's, a, that's our mission, if you will. It's very, very concise. It's very clear. And what happens, let me tell you something. Oftentimes, the enemy will bring in people like this. When I'm saying like this, like those who are possessed or other areas that are supernatural. Why? Not so that you can deal with it and save them, but so that you can miss the target. And what do we do? We would rather deal with this crazy, demonic thing than miss and miss your target. What's your target? The harvest. People. Simple people that are hurting. That want something different. But no, there's more to life than just living in a rotten world that's decaying daily. Simple, loving grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, children, people. That's, that's kind of boring, huh? Isn't it better to cast a demon out? No, it's not. And I'm saying that because I've done that, and it's not. That doesn't impress anybody, but the proud. So let's not miss the target. We are sheep among the wolves. We're going to go out there and you may encounter them. And the reason he gives us that authority, not so that we battle them, so that they can't harm you. And if you're under the anointing, they can't harm you because they will try to distract you because they don't want you. The enemy does not want you to get those people that are hurting, that are dying, that are lost. Remember the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son. The enemy doesn't want you to go after them. So he would occupy you with the spiritual. Or we say the spiritual. But what is more spiritual than redeeming a lost person to Jesus Christ? There's nothing more spiritual than that. Mm-hmm. Sheep among wolves. Now, sheep have a problem here. If you're going among wolves, wolves tend to be opportunistic feeders. So Jesus said, I ain't going to send you back a sheep. I'm going to send you to wolves. And I go, that's cold-blooded, Jesus. I'm going to put you in a world where somebody wants to feed on you. Are you hearing me? Yum, yummy. Good for my tummy. See, wolves mainly eat deer, caribou, moose, elk, bison, sheep, and other medium to large mammals. In the mammal world, you are medium. Now I know you can look around and some look bigger than medium, but we are all medium. Amen. Their their diet varies depending on what is available. So Jesus, I'm going to send you amongst some wolves. See, he he gives us authorities so that if the wolf tries to consume you, you can rebuke it Amen. and stay focused on your target. Who could be against you if Jesus is in you? Amen. Yes. Wolves require at least three point seven pounds of meat per day to mi- to maintain a minimum amount of cal- cal- calories. Reproducing and growing wolves may need 6 to 10 pounds of meat a day. That's a lot of meat a day. That's more meat than Jose eats. Hey, Amen. And I've seen that brother eat. Not just kidding. Wolves don't eat every day though. Indeed, they live on a fast or famine lifestyle. A uh, fast or, or uh, feast or famine rather, lifestyle. They get it and they eat and they make it for the day they didn't eat. But on average, it's 10 pounds a day. Jesus sends us out, sent them out like lambs among wolves with three unusual tools. Right? He sent them out empty handed. Now, I don't know about you, but that's like an unusual tool to be given the tool of nothing. So this posture, listen, forced them to trust God to provide. When what looked like an unfair uh, 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 tool was actually the power source. Oh, I have nothing but God. I ain't got no money in the bank, no gas in the tank. But one thing I got is the Holy Ghost. See, at first it looked like, you're a cold dude, Jesus. Second tool he sent them with, he sent them, with, he sent them empty-handed. Yeah, but he sent them full of authority. He says, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near. Heal the sick. That's a lot of juice right there. Well, that's a lot of ordinary stuff. You got nothing but what? But authority. And the third thing he said, because... No matter how much you think you love the Lord, no matter how much, how you think you're close, once you get out there, you're going to start questioning everything you thought you heard. So now you're out there. He goes, Did Jesus really send me here? Or was it Pastor Al? Because Pastor Al just makes me do stuff. And was it, was it you, God? And so you're going to start doubting. Right? Hello, somebody. And then he said, Oh, yeah, by the way, He sent them something to, to confirm the call. He says, I'm going to give you a word. And he said this, when you find a house, eat there. Very interesting. When is not if. When is this is going to happen. This is called a word of knowledge. Because when this happens, do this. So now they're empty handed. They got authority. Now they're out there on their own, two by two. And they go to this place. Now, if I told you that... And I said, okay, I want everybody here, two by two, we're all going to Monument. And when you find that house, stay there and eat there. First of all, half of you would split and go to another church. <laughs> the other half would go out there and say, this can't happen, and would give up and go eat at McDonald's because they're hungry. But there'll be somebody said, man, this, if this is going to happen, it better happen. And they keep knocking on the door. And eventually God would open that door to those who have faith. Takes a lot of faith. Takes a lot of faith. Three very unusual tools here. Right? See, Jesus said the plant, the harvest is plentiful. So he didn't say like, oh, it's going to be hard. When you say plentiful, Jesus understood something. You're going to go out there, don't worry, you're going to find a house. You might even have to find two or three, you get to choose. But wherever you go, stay there. Go look for the lost coin, the wandering sheep, the prodigal son. Because why? Because people are waiting for you. See, we don't understand. As a pastor, I say go out there and tell somebody about Jesus. Why? Because people are waiting for you. They're there waiting. The one you least expect, the one you say, no way, the one, nah, that can't be true. People are waiting for you. Hmm? See, our central central mission is reaching the lost. And if our central mission is to reach the lost, he who sends us has to prepare the way. He who sends us for the lost but have must have the lost. Some particular lost person in mind. Do you have him in mind? So we should never go forth fearing the possibility of failure. Oh, well, what if I? What if I don't do this? No, 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 no. Jesus gave you a word of knowledge. People are waiting for you. We must be ready to serve. Now, on the other side, if I say. I want to train you so that you can cast out demons and your anointing on how you preach. You can get up here and you can lay hands and they'll fall down. You want that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, come on. But that's not that important. That's not important. That, that doesn't impress me. You want to impress me? That doesn't, I don't care how good you preach. I've heard the greatest preachers all over the world. I'll I, I, I receive his calling. I'll do his will. That matters more than anything. Oh, but the other stuff sounds better. Doesn't the other stuff sound better? Ooh, wow, wow. Come on, man. See, there were 72 workers. Think about that. I'm a little digression. I'll get back over here. 72 workers in a small area of Palestine where there are only a few villages. The number of workers in proportion to the population was far greater than the proportion of believers today in regards to our population. 72 don't seem like a lot, but that's like having 72 people hit monument in one day. If 72 of us hit monument, we'd be on the news. Oh, this is Carol in TV. And there are 72 crazy people from Victorite's Colorado Springs going door to door in monument. We would hit the news, man. Don't, Don't you think we would? Heck yeah. Can't get people to do that no more. That's embarrassing. What do people think? They might call me a you know, hallelujah, a holy roller, a lost my mind. You know, that's why our religion must be personal and must be kept silent. And be respectful. The devil has truly won that battle. So, our mission now, as a mission of these 72, is very simple. We have to go out there, not necessarily to convince them to receive Jesus, but to prepare the way. For the Holy Spirit. Because no man comes to the Father lest the Holy Spirit draws him. So we're not going to draw anybody. We, we will feel like, man, nobody listens to me. I can do nothing right. I go out there and nobody wants to talk. I show the gospel. Our job is not to bring them in. Our job is to prepare the way. So you go, you share, you share, you share, no response. Oh, yes, there is, because the Bible is clear that the God, Word of God never comes back void. You speak truth, you speak light, you bring light to darkness, that person will never be the same. Oh, my friend, and you're walking away, and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost in heaven with his, his heavenly radar, uh, with his tomahawk missiles. He says, we have a target, we have a target. Right? We, need to, we need to begin to prepare in the way. To the military, I was a military guy. I was I repaired infrared sighting, but there was a device they call painting the target. You ever heard that terminology, painting the target? See, when these missiles hit, uh, right? Oftentimes, when they're in combat, there'll be a soldier up front, and he'd be hiding in a bush, and he'd have an infrared laser beam that no one else can see with him, and he would point that beam at the target, and they would fire a missile. I had a general, uh, a colonel, and who became a general in, in our church, and he moved on. And he said, Al, he, I was up in there, I was a command. I had Navy, Air Force, um, military, Army, Marines, all in my jet. A, a unique command, because that never happened. We have all of the military in one... AWAC aircraft, my job was to be up there and monitor every signal that came out of Iraq. If it was an AM, FM uh, radio, we heard it. If it was a television, we saw it. If it was a cell phone, we knew it. He goes, and once we pinpointed an AM, FM, cell phone, and in 14 seconds, that person was not happy. Why? Because they get painted. We have an AWAC in heaven. We have a Holy Ghost AWAC in heaven. And he's just looking for you to paint something. Are we preparing the way? Do, you, do we want supremacy? Or do you want to serve? And that's really it. People want the top. Supremacy! But that other stuff, ew, that's, for, that's for them. I'm called to be an orator. I'm called to be an orator of the Word of God. Or, or, turn on the street corner. I'm called to, 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 to minister and heal sick. Well, wow, our bathroom needs cleaning. Let's go heal that man, that needs cleaning. Start there. Supremacy or service? See, we, we, we get things mixed up. We look for the wrong things. We just got to look for people. People. Hello, someone. I'm almost done. It says they were sent with authority. The verb Jesus used there is aposteleo. I send you. There was an authority, an exosia attached to his command. There was an authority. Jesus used the same verb when he sent the 12. These 12 Jesus sent out. Matthew 10, I don't know if I can get all the way through, but I'm going to kind of see what happens. Matthew 10, 5, reads like this. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions, sent out, apostolia. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message, very simple. The kingdom of heaven is near. So he goes from 72 to 12. It was the same verb that Jesus used to indicate him being sent by the Father in Luke chapter forty, chapter 9, verse 40, uh, 48. Or 46 it says, and he said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Apostoleum. What am I trying to get at? Authority. So there was a special authority now granted to these twelve. You yeah, had 72 had an authority. Now all of a sudden he boiled it down to twelve. First, they had listen, very important here. I'm coming in for landing. First, people, you say me. You have to put yourself under subjection to, under, to be given this type of authority. Because people have the misconception that once they accept Jesus Christ, they come to church, oh, I have the power. No, no, no. Because most people that come to church and accept Jesus Christ are still in the flesh. Right? They're still rubbernecking, chasing women when they shouldn't. I'm talking about Christians come to church. Can I say that? They haven't got all the mess out of them yet. They might clean it up, but they, they, they're not all that clean. Hello, someone. So, God has to deal with that and get that flesh, carnal desire away. Because He wants to give authority, but He's not dumb. Could you imagine giving some people authority? Shoot. That'd be like giving my grandbaby a nine mm A nine millimeter. Uh, Chrysostom, come here, here. Can you hold my nine millimeter? And don't worry about all those bullets in there. Just if you point it, point it at Sam. Don't point it at me. Right? So so wait. So, so they had a they had to go through things, right? Now the, there was a special authority granted to twelve. First, they had to put their their power under subjection. They were given authority. And the thing is pretty strange, they did nothing to receive it, they simply showed up. It's not like, oh, these are the 12. These are the great 12. Why? They went to Bible college and they they were faithful. No, no, no. They did nothing. Except be part of the first 72. And got rebuked by Jesus. So it appears that these 12 learned the lesson of the 72. As a result, Jesus specified their authority and granted even deeper power. He tells them in verse 8 of chapter 10, Matthew 10.8, he the sick. Then he goes on. Then he goes, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. Oh, and your favorite, cast out demons. Then he says, freely you receive, freely you give. Interesting. See, he just said, cast out demons. Before he says, don't rejoice. See, because well, he had to teach them something. That is not the issue. Jesus knew that he, they would encounter the sick, they would encounter the dead, they would encounter leopards, and they would encounter demons. But that's not the issue. That's not why you have the power. The power is only there to protect you. So that you can reach hurting people. That's it. See, even our freely given authority... Demand of sacrifice as I close I'm reading this thing and I'm, I'm kind of having a good time so everyone's sacrifice I'm going to say this I'm going to close I'm coming in everyone's sacrifice is unique to them but there must be a deep essence of faith to your sacrifice in other words he, he wants to give you let me, let me back up who wants God's authority Come on, get it. are you afraid of me? I'm going to ask that question again. Who wants God's authority? Okay, we should all want, that's a good thing. But if you want that authority, listen to something. There is a required sacrifice that you have to do on your part. Right? Amen? Notice this. The faith step Jesus required of these 12. So I'm going to give you this, and he tells them this. Almost like the previous, but a little... More stiff. He says, do not acquire any gold or silver or copper or money belt. Wow. You want this authority? Hello, someone. It's getting deep right there. I go, oh, that's heavy, right there. And then he says, oh, but that's not that's not it. Or bag for your journey. So you can't even have a suitcase. He sends them out, no money and no suitcase. Or even don't take two coats. Why do say two coats? Because it was customary to take two coats because at nighttime it got really, really cold. So you imagine having one coat, you're out there and you're under God's authority. You go, man, it's getting cold. God, you got to provide it. You're right? But if you had two coats, you go, thank you for this other coat. Don't take two coats. And it gets better. Or sandals. I'm, I'm tripping on Jesus, I man. Jesus, you're a cold dude. Then he goes, "Oh yeah, and or a staff." No, I like staff. If you don't understand the the uh, Middle Eastern tradition, Middle Eastern tradition, a staff because of the territory was what was needed when you're going across a hilly, rocky terrain. They would walk up and down hills, through valleys, and they'd always have a staff because the staff would help them balance themselves as they made the journey. Jesus says, "Don't take one." See. That's why not everybody is suitable for God's authority. Now, we want it? Yes. But do we get it? No. And it's not, remember the picking order? It's not about a pecking order. Many are called. Jesus, few are chosen. So we have to be happy where we're at. It's not like, oh, this one's better. Look, at him. he's traveling the world. No, 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 no. We should say, thank God, God, you call him. What can I do to help him? Because it would be unfair for this pastor to say, all of you have to sacrifice like that. God made me sacrifice like that, so you have to sacrifice like that. No. Everybody is individual. And we all have a unique, important role to play in the body of Christ. Uh, The person who is helping in the children's church is... Far more important to me than the person I send to the Philippines. So, what do we want? Supremacy or service? I can't determine what you can handle, I can barely determine what I can handle. (laughs) Oh, somebody. I'm just doing my best to do what God has called me to do. All I can ask is for you to do your best. see, See, if we look clearly at Scripture, it makes no sense. Take no money, no clothes, no shoes, or a staff. Then he says this right after that. For the worker is worthy of his support. Like, I go, God, you're tripping me out. You you, you stripped me of everything because I'm worthy of my support. It made, it almost like you're, you're an oxymoron. You just took everything from me and said I'm worthy of no support. No. What he's saying is there, because when you get out there and trust me, watch how I provide. Watch the shoes I bring you. You may have given up some old Payless shoe sourced shoes. I'm going to kick you down some Nikes. When you give by a spoon, God gives with a show. <laughs> Go there. Do it. Why? Because I need you to authenticate the gospel of Jesus Christ. To those of us who hear me today, you should go and spread the blessings to those who will receive you. As I close, after the resurrection, when it came to setting forth all the believers, all of us now, not all of us, listen. In John 21, it was very interesting. Jesus had died, resurrected. He'd come back, and he'd been walking around town. People, they'd been spotting him. Hey, man, hear about Jesus alive. Whoa, no way. Yes, way. No way. Yes way. Verse 19. John 20. I'll <clears throat> you get there. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hand and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord again. Jesus said, Peace be with you. And here's the key, and as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. That's very, very interesting scripture. I don't have time to expound that. So Jesus used the word here. Pompeo, which means to send, not with authority, like a posteo. he sent us with authority, no, no, Pompeo, he sent us under authority. So, so that tells me that authority that he gave those 72 was a temporary strike. It was a one-time event. It was like those 59 tomahawks, which was a one-time strike. But when God sends you, it's not a one-time authority. He says, I'm not going to send you with authority. I'm going to send you under authority. So, are you with me? Have you heard me? Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Be careful. I am with that. Don't get all proud over your authority. Stay humble. And rejoice that you're saved. I want every about me I close. Thank you, Lord. Today you heard what the Spirit of the Lord said to your heart, wherever you're at. And you say, I of my own volition receive his authority and choose to do what God called me to do. If that's you. We're gonna sing a song, we're gonna worship the Lord, and you're gonna make your way forward, so I can pray for you at this altar. We all do the room.